Hey everyone, welcome to my show, my so-called fabulous. Welcome everyone. It is so great to talk to you and actually see one another. I'm not really seeing you, but you get to see me on YouTube now. And I am so excited to be here today in our Dallas studios. And um, hey, gals and guys, if you grew up in the late 70s, 80s, which I certainly did, my goodness, every Wednesday night, Central Time, 9 p.m., were you watching Charlie's Angels? Because I certainly was. And you know what? My mom, she wanted me in bed by 9, but I would sneak in and watch it. And I got to see all of the angels every single week. My goodness, 1976 to about 1981, so my high school years. And it was such a great, iconic time of strong women. And I look now at strong, successful women, and one of those being Farrah Fawcett. And Farrah Fawcett... I remember so much about her, and uh, she was Jill on, on uh, Charlie's Angels, and we are talking about her today, and we have brought in her best friend today, Alana Stewart. Alana, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Happy to be here. So great to see you. You're in from California. You're in to celebrate the life of Farrah Fawcett and what she did, right? Well, we're doing a big event, as you know, here on October 20th, our Tex-Mex Fiesta and it's for Ferris Foundation to raise money for Hope Lodge, American Cancer Society, and also our scientific partners, Stand Up to Cancer. So. Well, we're so excited about the event, and I'll be there for sure in October, and I want Great. to talk about that. But let me talk about you just a little bit. You are an actress. You are a writer, best-selling author of two books, um, amazing woman. You have such a lineage. You, you're a model, actress again, and a mom. We were just talking about our children. That's our pride and joy. And um, you are a friend. And you are, were, are, do we say? I say that because my mother is deceased, but Farah's best friend. And tell us a little bit about yourself and how you met. Well, Farrah and I met in the early 70s when we were both in California. We'd both just come to L.A. and we were up for commercials. So we were out there doing the audition, you know, auditioning. And we'd be at the same audition and um, we'd see each other and we'd say hello. And I always thought how pretty she was. And then Charlie's Angels came along and and the red bathing suit poster. Oh, my God. <laughs> still the best-selling poster of all time, right? <laughs> And she just shot to fame. I mean, it was like overnight, you overnight. know? And I remember I played in a celebrity tennis tournament, and my partner was Valerie Perrine. And Valerie, neither Val, Valerie nor I could play tennis worth, worth a hoot. So, so we got really short, skimpy tennis outfits so we could at least, <laughs> that maybe work. people would look at the outfits and not how bad we were. <laughs> and Farrah just came in, and she just won hands down. And I remember at the end of the game, there were hundreds and hundreds outside the clubhouse of screaming girls, screaming her name. And it was just unbelievable to see what had happened to her overnight. Overnight. Yeah. Was it, okay, help me out, because was it the poster that came first, or what first, or was it Charlie's well, Angels? she had, I believe she had shot the poster before Charlie's Angels, but it didn't come out until afterwards, right after, soon after. And Charlie's Angels, as you know, uh, was a huge overnight huge. hit. And huge. then the poster came on top of that, and she was just the it girl for, the it girl. you know, from, from then on. And But we didn't really become close friends then. We really didn't meet again until 
think it was 1979 because I was pregnant with my daughter Kimberly and I went to a party at, with my ex-husband, mm -hmm. my husband then, right. Rod Stewart. Wasband is what and, we called him, right? <laughs> and yes, and Farah and Ryan had been going out for a short time and they were there and we sat together and we started talking and we really connected over our Texas roots and uh, we became friends and our friendship grew over the years and you know, at the end we were really more like sisters than friends. I, I mean, I have read your books and I have listened to you multiple times you were sisters. I mean, it's just like you were such a connection. I mean, best friends like family. It's More funny, than family, right? It's funny you say that because, um, and this, I didn't intend to talk about this because it's it's hard, but she was in the hospital and it was, she never came out of the hospital this last time. And I was holding her hand and we were talking and I said, you know, you're, you're, you're like my sister. And she looked at me and she's still, you know, she was very ill and she just whispered more than sisters. Oh, and it's so, true. yeah. Yeah. When you said that, it, it just, um, it took me back, you mm -hmm. know, to, yeah. to that place. And it's true. We really were in a way close, certainly as close as sisters, right. if not closer. Isn't it amazing, Alana, that you get to choose your friends? You get to select your friends. You don't choose your family. I mean, you select your friends. So that always resonates with me. And I have a bestie. I have a favorite in my life too. And I think about it, I, you know, that's just it, losing someone like that. It just would be tough. So you met and you became the, the friends and you just started, you were working together. You just, your children, were your children friends or how, how did that work? I mean, well, I gave, uh, Farrah didn't have children when I met her, but she got pregnant with, with Redmond and I gave her her, her shower. Oh, and so I've known, you know, I knew him from the time he was born. So we just shared so many things together mm -hmm. in our lives. And, you know, as we got older, then we would talk about, you know, when we were younger, we were more frivolous, but then as you get older, you know, you get more serious and things happen and in, in life. And we would talk about our kids and problems that we were having with them. And, and it was funny because Farah was, her career was very busy. So she would go away sometimes on location for two months and we wouldn't see each other. She'd come back and we'd get on the phone and we'd be on the phone for three hours. Oh, I mean, wow. you know, you have a friend like that where mm -hmm. you may not talk to them for a while and then you get on the phone and you're just on the phone for hours. Mm -hmm. You have so much to talk about. So much to talk about. You are both from Texas. I know Farrah's from Corpus Christi. Where are you from originally in Texas? Well, Nacogdoches. Nacogdoches, that's right. Yeah. Stephen F. Austin, my freshman year, I went to Stephen and F. Then Austin. And I, oh, you did? Yes, I Piney it. Woods. A lot of my friends went to Stephen F. Austin. And I, um, I lived in Nacogdoches with my grandmother. We lived out in the country. And I lived with her until I was about eight or nine. Then I moved to Houston to live with my mother for a while. And then I ended up living back with my grandmother. And I came back to Houston for junior high and high school. Wow. Okay. And then you moved to New York, right? And then I moved to New York when I was 19. I worked for Trans-Texas Airlines for about nine months. <laughs> <laughs> I was a terrible stewardess. That's all I can tell you. I was terrified of flying. The passengers, The passengers used to have to reassure me. I had never been on an airplane before, and I was absolutely terrified. Alana, you're kidding. No, was it I just a job? I mean, was it a job that you, you had an opportunity? I, I wanted mean, to go somewhere. Yeah. I wanted to get out of Texas. I wanted to 
do something and I had to save up some money to, to do it. <laughs> you just started flying and you didn't want to fly. Trans-Texas Airlines. <laughs> well, I wanted to, but I was scared. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. Which brought, brings us back to Ferris. So tell us, how did you find out that she had cancer? Well, I was in Germany with, with my kids were both there and George was there. I was at a clinic in Germany and I had gone for some health treatments because I had had Epstein-Barr and a few different health issues. And so I had gone there for treatment for that. And my daughter and my son came along with me and my daughter came in. My daughter was in her, her, her 20s, I guess. And she came in and she said, Mom, is, does Farah have cancer? And I said, no, of course not. I said, oh, that's that National Enquirer again, you know, because they hounded her. Mm -hmm. And I said, they're just, you know, the tabloids are always making up that crap. Right. And so I just got this funny feeling, though, and I called her, and it took a long time for her to get to the phone. And she came to the phone, and I said, are you okay? And there was a long silence, and then I just knew my heart sunk. And she started to cry, and and Farrah didn't cry very often. She was strong. She was mm -hmm. really, really strong, you know. And um, and she told me yes that she had cancer. She'd been diagnosed with cancer, and they wanted to treat her there in L.A. And she was starting the treatment like the following week. So I flew home so I could be there for her treatment. She went through about six weeks of really brutal radiation and chemo. They alternated it and it was really brutal. I had no idea. And she got through it though and, and she was starting to feel better and three months later they told her that she was cancer free. And mm -hmm. she was so happy. We were all so happy oh, I and mean, we were celebrating. celebrating. And mm -hmm. then unfortunately it didn't last very long because three months later the tumor had come back and it had metastasized to her liver. She had eight or nine tumors in her liver. My goodness. And that at the time seemed like sort of a death sentence. Mm -hmm. You know, it was a matter of time. And um, she was being treated at UCLA and they were not sure what course to take. They were discussing it with other doctors and things. And meanwhile, she decided to go to Germany. She talked to the doctor in, in Germany and um, the doctor said, I think we can help you. You know, I'm not going to promise, but I think we can help you. And she said to me, what would you do? And I said, look, if it were me, I'd be on the first plane there. But I can't make that decision for you because, God forbid, mm -hmm. I encouraged you to make the wrong the decision. Wrong but you have to pray about it and, you know, talk to Ryan and, and just go inside and see what feels right for you. And she called me back and she said, we're coming. Yeah. And that's it. We ended up in Germany and she handed me her little handheld camera the first day we were there and she said will you film my meeting with the doctor so I can remember everything she sure. says and we started filming everything from then on we filmed the procedures and it was all for her you know for her use and then uh, eventually people started hearing that we were doing this filming and networks started calling her and NBC called and and said we would love to do a documentary of this and wow. and she thought about it and because she'd wanted to keep it private, you know, and, and but she'd gotten so many letters from so many fans and so many people that had said, thank you so much for being open about your cancer because she had talked about it in interviews. The word had gotten out. I mean, she didn't, she wasn't going to go public with it, but right. it got out in the tabloids and uh, People magazine. And so she decided that she would just 
talk about it, you know, and maybe be able to help other people. You know, she had anal cancer. That's my, I was going to ask, what was well, her cancer? It was anal cancer. And at that time, it was a stigma. You know, nobody wanted to talk about anal cancer. Right. And she came out and talked about it. She was on the cover of People magazine. And she got so many letters from people. I mean, she literally got thousands of letters every week of people with some kind of cancer. And they were all thanking her for talking about it and giving them hope. And because Farrah was a fighter, she wasn't going to give up. Mm -hmm. You know, she was determined to beat it. And she gave so many people inspiration and courage. And so she decided to share her story in a documentary. And I filmed the whole thing. It was just, it was just her and me. Is that right? Is that correct English? Her and me. <laughs> and you know what? She I didn't, and I, she and I, she and me. <laughs> I didn't answer your bio. You're a producer. <laughs> You're an engineer. I, 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 mean, I did everything. I mean, I, I produced it and filmed it. Amazing. I, you know, um, and there was no director and there was no lighting and, you know, it was just this little camera and the two of us. And two best friends. And we just did it. You know, we talked about everything and we just filmed it. And and it was, strangely enough, I, I don't know how to explain it, but we were there for such serious, we went six times to Germany and wow. we were there for such a serious reason. I mean, she was fighting for her life, but we still had fun. Because mm -hmm. Farah was fun. We would right. laugh. I mean, you know, some crazy German nurse would come in the room and, and it would really be a character and we would be making faces behind her, her back and <laughs> laughing. Course. And, you know, I'd come and get in her bed in my pajamas right. and we'd have them bring us pizza. And, mm -hmm. and we actually, as serious as it was and many times painful and difficult, we also managed to have laughs mm -hmm. and to have fun. Right. And so the documentary was the good, the bad, and the ugly. It was everything. Because she did every. She wanted you to film the ugly, too, right? She did. I mean, there was once, I talk about this, she was throwing up all night long, and I wasn't going to film it because mm -hmm. it was too invasive. And she said, no, film this. It's what cancer is. Right. And you did. Yeah. And some of it is is tough. You know, it's tough to watch, but it is it is what cancer is. Mm -hmm. And it's, uh, it, I mean, it, it has no discrepancies at all. It, has, it will choose anyone, right? At no, any it time. doesn't pick favorites. And Farah was the last person in the world you would thought to get cancer because she was so healthy. She was such, such an athlete, you know. Isn't and, it amazing the, the most healthy people that get sick. We do anything we possibly can, and and it just happens, you know? I mean, just like it, it doesn't discriminate, just like you said. I mean, No, it doesn't. But one thing I do always like to say is I do believe if she had, had gone to the doctor early on when she had symptoms, in the very beginning, I think she could very well be alive alive today. And that's one of the things that we talk about in the foundation a lot. We support programs that support awareness and prevention. And she, her mother was dying mm -hmm. in the hospital in Houston. And so she went to Houston to be with her mother. And for about three months, she was there and she ignored some very telltale signs that she had until she got back to LA. And then I think Ryan said to her, you better go to the doctor. And she went and she had a, um, a strawberry-sized tumor by that time. Wow, amazing. So that's one thing that's so important that we really encourage people to do is to keep your checkups regular.
Yeah, and women do not, we don't take care of ourselves. We, we put ourselves on the back burner. I know that um, I've listened to you, and again, my mother did the same thing. Her mother was dying, and she had a lump in her throat, and the same thing, same thing, just put it off, put it off, put it off. It's, it's just, a, you know, I just have sore throat, it's bad, and it was diagnosis after my grandmother died. So, and it's, and it's isn't that, isn't that interesting? It's the same story. Same story. And exactly. if she had caught it early on, things might have been different. Might have been different. They might have been. So when we talk about health care, and at the time, this was 2007? Two, well, she was diagnosed in 2006, and she started the foundation toward the end of 2006, 2007. Mm -hmm. It was being set up. Right. So going to Germany... I remember those days. That was really, really important. But what you're doing now with a foundation is helping us right here at home get health care, early detection, and research, right? Tell us about the Farrah Fawcett Foundation. Well, our mission is really what Farrah wanted it to be. It's supporting cutting-edge research, promoting prevention and awareness, and helping people that are battling cancer today which is one of the reasons that we're, we've ended up in Dallas is because we uh, came here in 2016 mm -hmm. to do an event with John Terlingo from mm -hmm. Terlingo Cycle. Yes. And he was raising money to um, donate to Hope Lodge, and we raised $100,000 to name a room after Farah. And so that was our first connection with Hope Lodge, and when we decided to come here this time and do the Tex-Mex we 50% of the funds raised are going to go to Hope Lodge and the other 50% are going to go to Stand Up to Cancer, who is our scientific partner for the research. Your scientific partner. Okay, Stand Up to Cancer. And then tell us about Hope Lodge. I mean, because the financial burden on so many, I mean, even with insurance is so, I mean, I can't, I, I mean, it's just, it's mind boggling. Well, that's part of our mission statement. And it always has been to help people who are battling cancer. Because the one thing that Farah realized was a lot of people didn't have access to funds the way she did. She sure. knew that she was fortunate, but people, most, most of the time their insurance covers their treatment but there are people that drive long distances to get their treatment. They have to stay in a motel. They have to eat. They have to pay for parking. And they don't have it. They just don't have any money at all to do that. And so we have patient assistance funds set up around the country at different institutions. Mm -hmm. And one of the reasons we like supporting Hope Lodge is because they provide room and board and, and lodging and transportation for the people that are staying there to their cancer treatments. And it's a wonderful place. We were there two days ago and we gifted them with a statue with one of Farah's sculptures. Yes, and tell us. I mean, there's so many stories here, but a lot. I'm jumping around I know, no, a lot. That's okay. I know that's okay. <laughs> so much going on. There is a lot going on, and you've had a busy week, of course. But um, what a lot of people don't know is she went to University of Texas, and yes. she was an art major. Yes, right. Yeah. So her sculpture, which you just donated, yes. tell us about that. I mean, was she a Longhorn? At I mean, I'm a TCU Horn Fog. So. Oh. <laughs> but, <laughs> But yes. was she a true Longhorn? Well, she, yes, she went to the University of Texas for a year. She planned on going, you know, the whole time, and she was going to be an art major. She was an art major mm -hmm. while she was there, and she started doing her sculpting and painting and everything while she was there. 
And then Hollywood called, and we know, you know, the rest of that. The rest is history. The rest is history. But she continued doing her sculpting and her art always I, until she died. Right. She was doing her, um, she loved sculpting. She always had a room. She had a room in her house that, that was dedicated to her sculpting. And she also was a wonderful artist. Right. And she and she made these beautiful sculptures. I have uh, one in my house. She gave me one for for Christmas one year, and she would give them to her friends. And when she died, she bequeathed them to the University of Texas. Yes. Um, so I mean, we beautiful. gifted one of them to uh, one of uh, a reproduction, of, of course, but a reproduction of the original one right. to Hope Lodge the other day. And we were we were there, and it's such a wonderful place. And what they do is so necessary. I mean, people really need help and support when they're undergoing treatment. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's amazing. And to be to be, is it you have to be invited to be? What are the what are the what do you have to do other than you have cancer and the diagnosis? You have to live forty miles. You outside? have to live uh, forty miles or more away. And uh, you have to be undergoing treatment right. presently. Right. And right. The, I know those are the requirements. And they let you bring someone with you, a family member or a caretaker. And it's really a lovely place. And they have yoga and meditation rooms and, and a big cafeteria where people can go and get together. I mean, it's really... A lovely place. Unbelievable. I mean, in the, I mean, the fun. So 50% is going to Hope Lodge, Hope Lodge American and other, Cancer and, Society, and, yes. and uh, the other 50% will go to Stand Up to Cancer. They're our scientific partners. We joined forces with Stand Up to Cancer in 2013, and Stand Up to Cancer was uh, started by Sherry Lansing and Katie Couric and a group of women in the film industry, and it has made amazing progress in the cancer world of research because they pull people together, scientists from all different places, and, and they work, they put them together and they work together instead of each of them working individually, you know, and right. trying to, to find a cure for this cancer. They work together. So this, these profits, everyone, Tell us about the event that's happening in October. So excited because, you know, a lot of these fundraisers are fabulous. They're over-the-top fabulous with gowns and, and sequins, which you will see that too. But you see a formal attire with a, you know, with a chicken or beef dinner or whatever the case may be. This is very different because you and Farrah both love which I would like it right now. Tex-Mex, right? Oh, I love some too. Oh. <laughs> it was it was our favorite food. Wherever we went, whenever we came to Texas together, we looked for the best Tex-Mex restaurant mm -hmm. around. So when we decided to do this the first year, 2015, in in um, Los Angeles, we decided to do. Um, I thought, well, what would Farah have wanted? And I thought, hey, Tex-Mex. Let's do Tex a Tex-Mex fiesta with mariachis and Mexican food and country music and and let's every let everybody come in boots and jeans mm -hmm. and the women get a little more fancy, you sure. know. But everybody was so happy, they loved it. The men were thrilled. I'll bet. You know, not to have to put on a suit and a tie mm -hmm. or a tuxedo sure. and you know, as you say, go to one of those big ballrooms and eat rubber chicken. Exactly. And it it was just very different. We did it outside under the stars in mm -hmm. early September, and people loved it. Mm -hmm. And we did it every other year 
because it was a lot to do every right. year. And I also didn't want to hit my friends up every year. Oh, I, I felt like, oh, no, you know. Here we go again. Here she comes again. <laughs> uh, Ron. But it, it, well, it also gives people some space so they can look forward to it. Sure. You know, know, instead of starting to dread it, you know. Oh, yeah. And then this year we decided to do it in Texas, partly because of Hope Lodge and the connection that we did have through John mm -hmm. to Hope Lodge. And also because a lot of people have said, why don't you do something in Texas? It was Ferris' home state. And right. so Dallas just seemed like the right place to do it. And we already had a relationship with Hope Lodge and it just made sense. So it we does. decided to do it here. It does. So it's October. So we know the menu. October we know, 20th. We know the, uh, so who will be invited? I mean, everyone, my listeners can go on your website and Anyone that wants to buy a ticket can go onto our website, thefarrahfawcettfoundation.org, and there's a, a, a link there, and you can buy the tickets. And right. um, it's going to be a lot of fun. I think we've got Cheryl Crow performing. That's amazing. Really excited. How fun. To have her. We're yes. so excited about that. And we've got George Hamilton, who's mm -hmm. going to agree to MC it. How my, fun. My, my ex-husband. <laughs> I didn't give him any choice. He didn't. And <laughs> you may, he didn't have a choice. Sorry, George. And my dear friend Jacqueline Smith, and yes. who was Farrah's dear friend yes. and her Charlie's Angels co-star, is co-hosting it with me. And um, we're honoring Linda Gray from, from Dallas. Dallas. Yes. How and wonderful. She's a wonderful woman. She's a big cancer advocate because her son, she lost her son to cancer a few years ago, mm -hmm. and she's been a big supporter. So we're honoring her, and we're doing a, a tribute to Ryan O'Neill. We're giving him an angel award because he's been an angel to us. I'll and bet. been so supportive of the foundation and, and of Farah, of course. Absolutely, absolutely. Can you look back at the time that they asked you to to be the chair, um, how your life's changed and what a difference you have made in fight of cancer. Do you do, do what? What do you think when you look back at that time when they asked you to do this? Uh, that's a great question because when they first asked me was in two thousand nine, right after Farah died, and I thought. I don't know how to run a foundation. I have no idea. Right. And I talked to my good friend Sherry Lansing, and she had, has her own foundation, and she also started Stand Up to Cancer. We had lunch, and I said, I don't know how to do this, Sherry. And she said, yes, you do. She said, you're really smart. You'll, you'll learn. You'll figure it out. And so I did. I, you know, we got a foundation attorney, and, and, uh, as, and I learned all the ropes and the ins and outs, and uh, um, and I never thought it would be a full-time job for me. I was just going to do it, you know, as, as to give back and, sure. and to keep Farrah's memory alive and to do it in her, in her name and, and her honor. And it has really become a full-time job. Yeah. And I have to say I really love doing it because I, I always wanted to do something to give back, and I could never quite figure out what area that I wanted to focus on. Did I want to help children? Did I want to help animals? And obviously all of the above, but this came to me. And you know, I think that happens in life. Sometimes we just put the desire out there in the universe and then God brings us what 
God wants us to have. Mm -hmm. So I kind of feel like this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Well, you're doing an amazing job. I mean, I know she is smiling down at you. You know that, right? I mean, just. Oh, I feel her all the time. You know, sometimes when I have to make a decision about something, I'll go, Vera, I need help here. What should I do? And I'll, and there'll be one particular direction I'm thinking of going. And I, I call them the Farrah chills. I get these Farrah chills when it's a yes. Oh, dear. <laughs> I just got chills. Uh, so, so I know she's there. I know she she's, she's looking over us. She is. So if you have one memory you could share with us with your friendship, is there one thing that just stands out when I ask you that question? It just jumps right out at you. Well, there's so many things, but the one... The one thing that just is so fair that, that and it, it's reminiscent of Texas, we were in Germany and she had just had a procedure in Frankfurt and we had a four hour drive or five hour back to um, where we were staying um, outside of Munich. And she was in the back of this van and we, the driver from the, the clinic was driving us. And, and suddenly in the middle of the night off the German throughway, there's a Whataburger sign. Now, what? who knew they had Whataburger in Germany? So I said, Vera, there's a Whataburger. She said, pull over. Oh, no, a Whataburger. <laughs> she said, pull over now. In Germany, and, isn't In it? Germany. So we pulled over, and I said, what do you want? And she said, I'll go in. I said, you can't go in. You can't walk. You're not supposed to get up. And she said, I'm going to get up. So she got up, and she came into the Whataburger, and, and out in the middle of nowhere, we got a Whataburger, and... Coca-Cola, and she was mad because they didn't have any ice because, you know, in Europe, they never give you ice, any ice with anything. <laughs> no extra ice at all. <laughs> she was mad about the ice, but we so enjoyed those Whataburgers, and somehow that, that always comes to my mind. Oh, I'm glad. I'm glad. Well, it's a great, great story. Um, okay. The event, October 20th at the Rustic in Dallas, yes. Tex-Mex Fiesta. Cannot wait. I mean, I'm looking so forward to it. Now, tickets, um, you can purchase tickets and, again, the website. TheFarrahFawcettFoundation.org. Well, thank you so much for being here today. I mean, you're just a blessing to so many, and we appreciate all of the hard work that you do in, in fighting cancer. Well, thank you so much for having me, and I will see you on October you 20th. You sure will. You sure will. Everyone, thank you so much for joining us today. Go, and hopefully we'll see you on October 20th. And everyone, keep being fabulous. Fabulous.